Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. We're starting a new... Y'all doing okay today? We're starting a new sermon series uh, this morning, and we've talked about that a little bit. It's called You in Five Years. And you're like, well, where is this going to go? I hope to really introduce this idea to you really, really well today. You in five years, as you would assume, the idea behind this sermon series is what potentially could God do in your life over the next five years? So, so just to get started, let's, let's, looks like we need to have a little fun with this. Some of, you, some of you are not quite ready yet. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep last night. I don't know what it is, but I want to help you get into this with me. So here's what we're going to do. I want you, and some of you, for you to imagine things, you may just need to close your eyes. So if you need to close your eyes, whatever. But I want you to imagine with me that today is your birthday. Every single one of you in this room, let me just say, happy birthday. Happy birthday to every single one of you here. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine with me that, that we're about to have your birthday party. All your family has gathered. Your closest friends have gathered. We're at the part of the party where they're, they're bringing out this amazing birthday cake. The candles are all lit. And on top of that cake, someone's done a magnificent job with the icing the, the, the mounds and mounds of delicious icing, there, there are numbers on the cake. And of course, those numbers made out of icing represent how old you are. Okay, are you with me? Are you thinking about this? Can you, can you, if you can see the cake, say, yes, Kent, I see the cake. Okay, just making sure. Now, it's all good. You see the candles, you see the cake, you see the numbers on the cake representing your age today. Now, take a time out. This is the hard part. As best you can, imagine five years forward. For example, if your birthday cake that you just envisioned said 25, it now says 30. If your birthday cake said 45, it now says 50. If you're, listen, teenagers, if your birthday cake, this is going to blow your mind, said 16, it now says 21. (laughs) See, I knew the young, I knew the teenagers would be more excited about this than some of the older folks. You're like. (laughs) And so, I mean, seriously, as best you can, I want you to begin to think about how might my life be different five years from today. Now, I, I've learned many years ago not to speak on other people's behalf. But I want to tell you how I feel about my life potentially five years from today. I, I, I'm excited about it. I kind of like my wife. I, I like being married to her. I'm excited about being married five years from now. I'm excited about being a parent in five years. 
I'm telling you, I'll tell you what's even better, and some of you haven't experienced this yet, but, but being a grandparent, it just keeps getting better. It really does. So five years from now, I think it's going to be even better. I'm excited about what God is doing in my own family. I'm very excited about what I see God doing in our church. And so when I think about that, I man, it's like, it's good. Now, some of you, I know where your mind's already going. You're saying, bro, Kent, because I know some of you, you are working on some goals you set just for 2019, right? And you're like, okay, it's February now. And so you may be thinking this morning, Kent, man, let me just work on my 2019 goals. Here, here you are today, and you're asking me to now look five years down the road, and I hear you. But I would guess, if let's just be transparent, real, and honest, my guess is that for most people in the room, those 2019 goals, you, you probably set some very realistic goals. Nobody like goes into a new year, you don't, you don't say to yourself, wow, I'm going to set some goals that are practically impossible for me to reach. And so as you know, I'm thinking about all this and I'm thinking about this new series, You in Five Years. And so what I really want you to consider is, is it, church, is it possible that for many of us here in this room today, that we've been thinking too small. And I will raise both of my hands on this one. Is it possible that we've been thinking too small? I read an article this week. I want you to listen to this. It really got my attention. Here's what it said. It said that for the majority of us, the majority of people, most of us, listen, overestimate what we think we might accomplish in the short term, but we underestimate what we think we can do in the long term. And, and I would say that is true for many people. We, we like look at a short period of time and we're like, man, yes, I can totally do all that in like two months. And then we we get frustrated because we don't reach those goals. But quite often for me, I'm guessing for most of you, quite often, we're not thinking about the longer period of time. Therefore, what do we do? We underestimate what we sense God might accomplish. Here it is. If we would just stick with anything, just stick with something. And then you look, at, you look at culture today. So here's the trouble. Here's what's going on all around us. There are a whole bunch of people who have tragically short attention spans. Am I right? Some of you, are, you're just like, how long is the sermon going to be? And can I stay awake for like 20 minutes? Tragically short attention spans. In culture today, many people will jump ship the moment we are not happy with the thing, the way things are going. It happens every single day. Most of the time, we don't stick with anything long enough that we might see some significant impact. Listen, this is, this is going to maybe blow your mind. This is definitely true in ministry. Did you know, this is current research, the average pastor only stays at a church for three and a half years. That, that's common across America. It's even worse 
for youth pastors. The average time a youth pastor stays at a church is somewhere around 18 to 24 months. And all of this, it is becoming more and more common in our relationships. You see this playing out in the workplace. It plays out in all kinds of situations. It plays out. Once again, listen, we overestimate what we think we can do in the short term and we underestimate what we believe we can do over a long period of time. So here's what I'm going to be encouraging you to do as we walk through this series together. Instead of just coming up with like, here's a resolution, here's a resolution, here's a goal for the year, I'm asking you to begin to say, Lord, do you want me to think about this in a bigger way, in a different way? And I think you have to ask yourself some really basic questions. Question number one, do I genuinely trust Almighty God? God, who made the heavens and the earth. Like, do I trust Him or not? Do I really understand that if God is for me, do I understand that as God is for me, that there is no one against me? If I acknowledge, do we think about these? If, if I acknowledge that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he's given me his Holy Spirit who lives within me, if we acknowledge these things to be true, then, then who could I potentially be in five years? What could God do in my life over these next 60 months? And so that's the big question in this series. Now, if you brought a Bible, open it to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at some different scripture today. We're going to start in Romans chapter 13. If you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen. And Paul says to the church, and by the way, I, I normally don't do this, but it's so good. Today I'm reading out of the message translation. Romans 13, look at the screen. Here's what Paul says. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. So be up and awake to what God is doing. God, Paul writes, he's putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. Now in this series, you may not understand the text and what really we're talking about here, but in this series, we're going to take a little bit of time to, to talk about what salvation through Jesus Christ what it's really all about, and what happens. And we're going to talk about justification and sanctification. And when we read this text right here, I want you to realize that once you come to know Christ and once you become saved, you repent of your sin, you invite Jesus to be your Savior, there's something that happens immediately called justification. Now, sometimes people are like, I don't, I've heard that word in church, but I have no idea what it means. Let me help you. This is a very brief summary. If you could imagine our good heavenly father, God, if you could imagine him sitting as a judge and he is on the throne and, and God declares to the believer, to the person who is the follower of Jesus Christ, he says, dear believer, in light of what my son, Jesus Christ, has accomplished on your behalf at Calvary, 
you are now made righteous. Because of Jesus, you have been made right with God. God says to you, all things between me and you are now right. And he says, he takes the gavel, court dismissed. It's good. That's the process of justification. And then we fast forward the life of a believer. We live this life. One day, if you know Jesus Christ, when, when you pass away, when you go to heaven, there is something called glorification. When you are saved from the very presence of sin in your life, glorification happens. But here's what we're going to talk about mostly in this series. Between justification and believe between glorification is a process called sanctification. You've heard that. I've been sanctified. I'm being sanctified. And sanctification, listen, is this journey where day by day, you are being saved from the power of sin, and day by day, you are yielding yourself to God. And so day by day, I'm setting myself apart for the holiness of Almighty God, and I invite Him to work in me and through me. Sanctification, day by day, it's this process of becoming more and more like Christ. And so, when we talk about this new series, when, when we say you in five years, we're really also studying this process called sanctification. So jump back to the Romans text with me. We'll continue to read. We'll put it on the screen. Paul says, we can't afford to wait a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Paul says, get out of bed, get dressed, don't, don't, okay, don't, okay, don't loiter, I don't know where that came from, don't linger, don't wait around, until the very last minute. Oh, good grief. You see why I chose the message translation just for this text today? Is the Bible on target or what? I mean, this is, this is on point. There is such a common attitude today with many people. Oh, man, let's just, let's just hang, bro. Man, let's just hang out. Let's just have some fun. I just want to have some fun. I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time to do this thing, you know, getting serious about God. But Scripture says, no. Don't, don't plan to wait around till the very last minute, but instead, right now, the last part of the Scripture says, instead, dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. That's what we're talking about. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, as we begin this new sermon series, uh, and as we look at this text in Romans and some other scripture here in just a moment, God, we openly say to you, oftentimes we miss the mark. Oftentimes we are lazy. Oftentimes we are distracted. Oftentimes, God, the process of sanctification is not happening in a way that would bring you much honor and glory because of perhaps some very unwise choices we make. 
So God, wake us up. Let us be prepared. Let us get dressed. Let us get ready for what you want to do in our lives over these next five years. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. So I've been thinking about it this week. Just five years, people. If you really think about five years, it's quite a bit of a time, and you could accomplish a whole lot of things in five years if you really set your mind to it. I, I made a list. Think about some of these things. In five years, if you really applied yourself, you could become fluent in another language. Five years. Get out, get you some Rosetta Stone, whatever you want to do. My son, Jared, you know, he went to Brazil. He served three months in Brazil. In three months' time, it was unbelievable how much Portuguese he learned. If he could do that in three months, imagine what could happen over five years' time. You could, you could totally do that. In five years, you could get a college degree. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, for real, you could. In fact, many people do it in even less than five years. You could do it. It's completely possible. In five years, you could master a sport. Come on. Some of you, let's just pick an easy one. You, you could start running. And if you, you could start, I know, I know, hold on. If you just start with like the couch to 5K and all of a sudden you knock out a 5K and then you're like, I did another 5K. And then you're doing a half marathon and before you know it, you're doing a full marathon, 26.2 miles. But how many of you are looking at me, but I don't want to run? Anybody just say, I don't want to run? All right, thank you for being honest at church. Let's, let's, let, let's think about something that might be good for you. In five years, think how good you could become at the game of chess. All right? We're going to use our mind instead of running all over the place. You're like, you could become the next Bobby Fisher. Okay. But I don't know. It, there's got to be a Middle Tennessee chess club. Man, you could own that thing. If you, if you really applied yourself for five years, we got some kids in the room. Kids, you're going to love this one. You know, you're like, you go to the store, you're looking online or whatever, and you're like, oh, I want that. I want to buy that. And your mom and dad say, no, you're not getting that. You're not getting that. Because you say to yourself, I don't have enough money to buy that. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is. Children, if you would only save one dollar a day, one lousy dollar a day for the next five years, you put that dollar bill in your piggy bank, and at the end of five years, drum roll please, $1,825 in your piggy bank. Game on, right? You're going to go shopping. Here's one for me. Let's talk about reading books. Here's what I normally do. Oh, here, Kent, here's a book. Read the book. Read the book. I will read a chapter or two. I'll lay it down. Never pick it back up. Anybody else? Is anybody else like this? Is it just me? Some of you? I don't know. So this is for some of you. This is for me. I did the math on this. In five years, I could, you could easily, easily read 60 books. That's only one book a month. Now think about this with me. I'm going to, let's read a biography. Let's read some history. Let's read some leadership. You, you get a good variety of different books you're reading. 
And let's say, I'm just, I had to pick a number out of the air. Let's say the average book is 200 pages, okay? 200 pages in the average. If I only read six pages a day, come on, six pages a day, what is that? Maybe 10 minutes of my, of my life? 10 minutes a day at the very most. So by dedicating 10 minutes a day to reading in five years, I have read 60 books. Boom. I mean, that's powerful. How about a, this one? Well, this, is, this is what we're really going for here. What if you could radically transform your life following Christ? so that you would grow closer to God than ever before. I mean, people, think about the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. A little over three years, look what he accomplished. What if, over these next five years, you dedicated your life to seeking God with all of your heart? Jesus did promise, those who seek me will find me. What about prayer? Jared mentioned this in the prayer huddle this morning. Our problem is not unanswered prayer. Oh, Kent, I prayed to God. I tried that. Didn't work. I tried the prayer thing. He didn't answer. No, here's the problem. The prayers we never prayed in the first place. Dedicate yourself to prayer. What if over the next five years you sought out Almighty God in Scripture? What if over the next five years you begin to memorize Scripture? Many of you in this room, you've already started. You've made a commitment to read the Bible through in 2019. And some of you are like, man, ain't no way, bro. How many pages are in that Bible anyway? There's no way I can read through the entire... Just You look at it and it overwhelms you. But if you begin to think about this, and you stay in it, and you stay in God's word every single day, listen to me. I think we just have a big party. Not only would you read the Bible through in one year, but your life in five years will be like, yeah, I read the Bible five times over the past five years. Take that. Now, And that's kind of fun, and that's kind of silly, but the reality is when we do that, why we do that? Because God's word Becomes hidden in my heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Lord. And then when really frustrating people come into your life, instead of like biting their head off, you respond in a way that Scripture has taught you to respond. And when you're tempted to like look at things that you should not be looking at, like naked people everywhere, no. Because God's word is hidden in my heart. When you are tempted, man, to get into the the behavior that so does not glorify God, your word has been hidden in your heart. Why? Because you're reading it in the morning. And you're like, oh man, I remember. I remember what I read last week. And God's word is, is in you. That's some of the positive list. Would you believe there's also a negative list to what your life could look like in five years? Boy, this list, you know, it's just a few ideas. Five years from now, you you could be going through a really messy divorce because for five years, you basically just decide, I'm going to neglect my spouse. Five years is definitely long enough 
for you to get ridiculously addicted to drugs. Five years is definitely long enough for you to have like five or six or even seven different jobs where in each one of those, you really only kind of partially applied yourself. Maybe you quit some of them. Maybe you got fired from some of them. Five years is definitely long enough for you to rack up a mountain of credit card debt or put on an extra 30 pounds or, check this one out, to smoke 36,500 cigarettes and all you have to do is smoke one pack a day. And now you're like, oh, okay. I see who you are. You're that pastor. You're that pastor going to get hardcore on all the cigarette smokers in the room. I, uh, I heard another pastor sharing. He, he said a guy in his church came up to him. He said, preacher, I want to know something. Can I smoke cigarettes and still go to heaven? And, and this pastor's response was like, Man, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, like I want to know, is, is me smoking cigarettes going to keep me from going to heaven? <laughs> and the, this is classic. The pastor's response is like, oh, no. No, my friend. It will actually just get you to heaven a whole lot faster. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, listen, here's the deal. Five years is long enough to either do a lot of good or, or, or a lot of bad. And this sermon series, it's about making wise decisions as we day, listen, as we day by day strive to be more like Jesus. Are, are, y'all, are you tracking with me? Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, Here's what also happens in sermons. You hear all this stuff and you're like, I can remember this or I'm going to, you know, whether you take notes or not, that's up to you. But, but in week one of this new series, You in Five Years, uh, I just want to give you a couple of takeaways. This is takeaway number one. If you have a great memory, great. But if you don't, here's something we're going to talk about for a minute. We're going to put it on the screen. The ways you let in, think about this, the ways you let in become the ways you are set in. Here's what I mean. All the different ways you let into your life become the ways you are set in. Every one of us in this room, we're all completely different. You have your ways of doing things. I have my ways of doing things. God has his ways of doing things. In fact, look at the text in Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You have your ways. I have my ways. God has his ways. And when you, when you think about all that, my ways, our ways, it's how we choose quite often to react. It's, it, it's how we choose to speak. 
It's how we choose to either accept or to decline. Are we going to stay? Are we going to go? Think about this. Your checking account speaks of your ways. Your text message history speaks of your ways. For most of us in this room, oftentimes, the behavior that was modeled to you by your parents, by your mom, by your dad, that influences your ways. For example, well, that's how I always saw my dad handle conflict, so I guess I'll just do the same thing. And now, on top of that, we see images, we see messages on Instagram, Facebook, and social media desires to mold our ways and our actions and our words. And church, here's what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm trying to caution you the ways you let in become the ways you are set in. Now, with all of that in mind, I want you to look at this Romans text again briefly. Look at just part of it. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Don't lose track of time. Don't doze off. Dawn is about to break. We can, listen, we can either pay attention to all that God is doing or in five years, you'll probably just be sitting there at home in your recliner, scrolling, 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 and all of a sudden it's five years later. Nothing's changed at all. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 26 Whoever seeks good, are you seeking some good? Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Think about that. Whoever seeks good finds favor. I wonder, what does your life look like? If you are always looking for the good in people, If you are looking for the good in what might be a challenging situation, if you're living with like some faith-filled optimism, guess what? The Bible says you will find favor with God when you live that way. And so I'd simply say, as we begin to think about our life in five years, all that is a part of this process called sanctification. It's the future you in five years, and it's very good, but... What if you're not living that way? If you're the first person to always identify trouble in any situation. If you're the one who always can find the fault in other people. If you're the one who is consistently looking for evil, Scripture says it's going to find you. That's what Proverbs eleven twenty six says. And if, and if that kind of lifestyle becomes your normal 
It major league messes up this process of sanctification, this day-by-day process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. As we wrap up today, I want to take you to one more piece of Scripture in the book of Philippians. Some of you have heard this this passage for a long time. Uh, It's what Paul says to the church at Philippi. Man, the Apostle Paul, he loved these people and they loved him. Look with me at Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We'll put it on the screen. Paul says to these people, I thank my God every time I remember you. He writes to them, In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Now here's where he starts talking about this sanctification. He says, Being confident of this, Paul says, that he, our good God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, for many of you who are here in this gym today, God has started a good work in you at your salvation. You came to know Jesus Christ. You placed your faith in him. You surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You said, God, I trust you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You repented of sin. There was a change of heart. That good work started. And then God said, you are now justified. He said, it is in and through my son, Jesus Christ. You have been forgiven of your sin. You have been made right with God. Case dismissed. But Paul says to the church, hey church, that's only the beginning He says, hey, church, that's only the beginning. He says, I am confident that what God has started in your life, he says, I'm confident that he will carry it on to completion. Here's what that means. That means you in five years, you in 10 years, you in 15 years, you in 20 years. That is you until either Jesus returns or until you pass away and you spend eternity with him in heaven. And so then the question becomes, okay, what, what now what? What do I begin to do with what we're learning today from God's holy word? As we walk through this teaching series together, this principle is true. You can ask people in this room, especially people who, who have a little more wisdom than you do. They've been around the block a few more times than you have. You must learn this. We'll put it on the screen. Ongoing consistency. Think about your spiritual walk. Ongoing consistency is so much more important than short-term intensity. Church, hear me. There's no shortcut. There's no quick fix. It's like we're all looking for the magic pill. We kind of like, we kind of like getting on Amazon. Boom, there it is. Order it. It's delivered to my home like three hours later. Awesome. But your spiritual journey is not like that. Men, men, let me talk to the men. You, maybe you're feeling today like, you know, I just need to be a better husband. Okay, that's good. You might say, man, is there some book I can read that will fix me? Is there some conference I can go to that will fix me? Maybe, but you know what would be a good start? 
maybe you should just go in and do the dishes and quit being a jerk. That might be a start. You might say, that's not my deal, Kent. Well, my problem is money. Things are spiraling out of control. You might say, man, my problem at work, man, don't blame me. I just got a bad boss. You could say, ah, man, it's my kids. My kids are making me crazy. I have the neediest child on planet earth. And all of that seems so very real. But I'm asking you today to begin to consider Heavenly Father. What is it you desire to do in my life? Where, where you openly confess, you stop with all the excuses and you say to the Lord, Father God, I need you. Father God, I need you to begin to change me. God, would you help me understand what it means to learn what ongoing consistency in my spiritual journey is really all about? Think about these truths we've talked about. God, would you help me to be a person that, that seeks out the good in other people and in other situations? Because, Lord, you promise us in your word that when that happens, you show your favor. God, would you help me to begin to pay attention to these crazy ways I'm letting come into my life? Because, Lord, we know that the ways that we let in become the ways that we are set in. God, show us your plans. Show us your plans, Lord. We're going to end today with a, a testimony, a dialogue. I don't know. Where's Jamie? Is he around? You got a mic? Bro, come on. I was, um, I was this week, I don't know. Will somebody help him get this on real quick? Is it on? Is it on? No, it's not on. Cliff will help you out. I was on, uh, there we go. You may have seen what I saw. Man, I, I love Jamie Tamez, and I love his family. And uh, I didn't realize, I, I know a lot more of his story than you might know. But in what we're talking about today, I'm preparing this message, and then I saw Jamie put something up just sharing a testimony on social media this week. 17 years ago today, brother came to know Jesus Christ. All right? Listen to this. At a Super Bowl party. Come on. You want to talk about, does Oikos matter? Do the 18, 15, 8 to 15 people in your Oikos? Yeah, oh yeah, all that stuff's real. So I said, Jamie, I don't know how this is going to work. Let's just talk about this for a second. Uh, and so here's what I want to do. Tell our church, leading up to that, before you came to know Christ, like some of what was playing out in your life before Jesus. Okay, so that would have been 17 years ago was 2002. So like this section is, you know, that's like World War II for y'all. Yeah. Uh, but I was, that was middle school for me. Uh, and like growing up, I had no, no real church here. I didn't have a church family, didn't have a, uh, like, we went a little bit as a kid, probably up to about kindergarten. My dad's family's all Catholic, so we went there up to about the point where my uh, grandma passed away at 94. And I, if you've ever been to Catholic Mass, they're super dry. Uh, 
a kindergartner has no business being in a Catholic Mass. Um, I had no idea what was going on. There's like Latin phrases. There's stuff that you had to say in like unison, which I just mumbled through. I was like faking until you make it. And then uh, I found out years later from my mom, the reason I didn't know what was going on was because they took us to the Spanish Mass because it was earlier in the day and only my dad spoke Spanish. So I had no idea what was happening. No clue at all. Uh, and I was like 15 before I found that out. Okay. So, uh, I had, Growing up in Texas, though, so, you know, um, and uh, and then kind of rolled into the next couple of years of no church at all, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, kind of a little bit of rough childhood, I guess. My parents split up, a lot of trauma, and kind of leading up to this about uh, just some really bad stuff that happened, and uh, you know, rolling into fall of uh, 2001, and you know, for y'all that. Before you were born, you know, September 11th happened. 9-11. people in the church. Yeah. And, um, add that to all the trauma that I had. It was a good time for me to start going. And uh, I was invited to start going to a church in Austin with a bunch of friends. And it was a Baptist church, a very large Baptist church. Mm -hmm. Big had, big youth group. Yeah, had a couple hundred kids in it. Okay. And first time I'd ever been in a youth group, and I was in eighth grade at this point, And I'm slowly starting to get involved. This is, you know, probably October that year. And I start going to Wednesday nights, and then I start slowly going into Sundays, mm -hmm. get involved in a, um, uh, a small group there, uh, you know, Sunday school group. It's all a bunch of eighth grade boys. So poor, my Sunday school teacher, poor guy, he's probably 10 years older because of that mm -hmm. now, yeah. like instantly. Um, and it rolls into February 3rd, 2002. I get invited, like all the other kids, to a... They had a big open room like this. They had to scream up. They don't play the rules. And all these things kind of happening... And said, come on, bring your friends. And it was, we'll watch the game, and there's games going on. There's pizza, there's tacos, you know. And, um, and then you'll, uh, during, during the halftime show, they turn the screen off, and Sean Smith, the youth pastor at the time, comes out and does a message. It's a so he preaches a sermon like a halftime. Yeah. So for everybody having a Super Bowl party tonight, <laughs> you might want to preach at halftime, just saying. Yeah. And it was a very, your very typical straight to the point, come to Jesus at most. Just the simple gospel. Yeah, the simple gospel. Yeah. And you think after months of being there, months of James, my small group leader, praying for me, all the stuff, like there was a pool. Like when he says get up, like it didn't make sense. I just got God up. was drawing yeah, you to himself. Like, yeah. I mean, Sean goes, you know, find somebody, tell them you're doing this for you. You're not doing it for your friends. I'm doing yeah. it for your just you. And I go back to James and I'm talking to him and like it's still like it's still very Kind of confusing, kind of trying to understand what happened. But yeah, it, you know, that day during a YouTube show, I've still never seen, uh, you know, I, uh, I, we sat in the stairwell and, and prayed to receive Christ. Awesome. Now fast forward some. Yeah. From there, you were telling me, you, you kind of started having some doubts about that yeah, whole, so, yeah. So um, you think I have no, my only foundation is I'm getting it, you know, as I'm learning from actually spending time in the Bible, from small group leaders in church and realizing I have no idea anything about Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I uh, I start the next couple of years just really as I get into high school uh, and we start, uh, you know, my connection to Tennessee happens. Uh, for some of y'all that know, don't know this, the, the two youth pastors that were at FBC Sperna, um, Kit and Josh Marriott, Kit Wells and mm -hmm. Josh Marriott, came to our church in Austin. Mm -hmm. That's how I got to know any of you, like the Baileys. Okay, people. okay. Um, and so during this time, as I'm growing, I'm learning, and I literally feel called to ministry at this time. I think in my sophomore, junior year, 
uh, and still this doubt of trying to figure out high school. But that, did your mom pass away? My mom in this? passed away my junior year. Of junior year of high school. Yeah. So that rocks your world yeah. as well. Very suddenly she had an aneurysm, so it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, like, I'm, I'm literally just at this point pretty much relying on church people. And you're asking all the hard yeah. questions. And, uh, and I mean, and I am, I am, from the, the moment at the hospital to my house at night to everything over the next months, the meals, the tanks of gas, whatever it was, like the, the pure love that I was given mm-hmm. uh, is, is to this day, it's, you know, I, I can't describe it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and about a year or so later, I'm, I'm finishing up high school, I'm trying to get into college, all this stuff, and I'm just struggling with some doubts and like, and every time on a Sunday morning, you know, especially in the old days, we're like, repeat after me kind mm-hmm. of you know, messages. And I'm sitting there kind of mumbling under my breath, like, just in case I need the fire insurance, you know. And uh, I, uh, I think God got fed up. <laughs> and, like, and there's several times in my life where it's been very clear and someone's audible, audible. And it's like he's sitting there like, are you an idiot? Yeah. Like, you think you got through you losing your mom, all yeah. the trauma you went through as a kid, on your own. I did that. Not you. Yes. Not even the people. I put those people there. Yeah. I did all that. And God, you talk it. That shut me up so quickly. Like I, that doubt has never been there. Amen. Because like, it's like I, you didn't do anything. Yeah. I didn't show up. Like you can think that September 11th postponed everything by at least a week. Super Bowl was supposed to be the. On the 27th. That's true. That's true. It came on the a third. week later. I don't know if I would have been there on the 27th, but I was. All that God orchestrated everything. Yes. And the people in my life. The stuff like you think like meeting that like a couple years later even like meeting Kristen Morley like as a senior high school two years we even made her sister that ended up married you know I don't yeah. know it's just like all this stuff like I yeah. have no idea how it's gonna play out I wouldn't end up here I wouldn't end up in this church I'd probably who knows be you know living in the trailer park in Texas I don't know yeah you know yeah uh, and so yeah it's all right listen this is one precious life. One incredible testimony. Think about what God has done in this dude's life. Over 17 years. But in all of this, this is, this is what it means to be a part of the faith family. Meant to live a life where God can use you to see others come to know Christ. And now as Jamie grows, being sanctified, growing in his walk with the Lord, this is what we're doing. And so my prayer is that as Jamie shares his testimony, as God's word speaks to you today, and that you will embrace all that God has for you today. Let, let me invite you to pray with me this morning. We want to give you a moment to respond, to, to process, to think about what God might be doing in your life. Heavenly Father, uh, you are at work in this place. You are at work in the lives of so many people in this room. And so today we acknowledge that and we say thank you for that. God, as we uh, prepare to, to try to think about now what? God, now what? What do you want to do in my life, Lord? May we respond to you in a way that would bring you much honor and glory. Whether that means today is, is the start of salvation or whether that today we're reminded of what this process of sanctification is all about, God, let us begin to envision all that you desire to do in each of our lives so that five years from now, we wouldn't look back and say, man, well, that was a waste. But instead that we would look back and see how far 
you've brought us, not only personally, but how you use us to expand your kingdom here on this earth. God, do what only you can do. Let us respond to you in a way that brings you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me invite you to stand. We're going we're gonna to give you a chance to respond. And you, you may want to pray during this time. You may want to sing during this time. We'll have some prayer volunteers over here on this gym wall. You may just want to pray with someone. But let me invite you to respond to what God's doing in your life today as we sing together. Amen, amen. Before you go today, I want to take just a moment to tell you about a transition that's going to be happening in our church. Most all of you know Christy Wilson. And Christy Wilson is nine weeks away from baby number two. And uh, she let us know recently that she and Chris, if you don't know Chris, Chris is back here on the drums. Uh, Chris, Chris and Christy are a precious couple. Well, there you go. All right. Um, they have, here's the deal. They've been praying for a long time about this. And, and they are at this place as they've prayed about this that they sense with this new baby coming, this is the right time for her to step out of that ministry. Now, let me say this. The whole time, you may not know this, Christy has an incredible full-time job. She gives her life to, to that. She is a great mom, a great wife. She serves here in our church ministry. But they just came to this agreement to say, you know what? We don't have enough margin in our life right now to continue to do all of this and have a new baby as well. But here's the heart of Christy Wilson. She's like, you know what? Man, I'm going to work as long as I can up until this baby gets here because... Her heart's desire is that she would be able to walk alongside whoever God leads our way to help train them in this new role. And I'm like, Christy, you are amazing. And so that is her heart. That is her spirit. And so the reason I'm telling this to the entire church today, first of all, you need to know that to be praying for them as they get closer to this new baby. But also there may be someone in our church body who you would sense God would be calling you out to perhaps lead in that preschool ministry area. Or maybe you know someone. It is a part-time job, but if you know someone or maybe you in this room would be interested in that, here's all we're going to ask you to do. Uh, email Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, Monica, at Hope Smyrna. If you want to put together a little resume or something, that would be awesome. Uh, and so... Here again, we're going to have a time to celebrate Christy as we get closer. She'll be here for several more weeks, but just love on them well. And I'm so thankful for the foundation she really has laid in our children's ministry. Okay, so I needed to tell that to you. And then two, last week, I think it was the first time ever I gave you these directions on stacking chairs. Some of you did a little bit too good. You, you did too good. Thank you for what you're doing. Only go two chairs high. Here's why. If you stack more than two chairs high, then the people putting them on those carts are like, they're picking up seven. It's just very heavy. So do what you did. You're good. Two chairs high. We've got some great volunteers. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. Have a great afternoon. You are dismissed. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.